Hello and welcome to Building Bridges, a podcast from the Harry Bridges Center for Labor Studies at the University of Washington, Seattle, where we explore the people and stories of the labor movement. I'm Anita. And I'm Maya. Today we're talking with Josh and Talia, two organizing members of the Seattle Art Museum Visitor Service Officers Union, who are also UW students and alumni. The Sam VSO Union is an independent union that represents VSOs. They are currently bargaining for their first contract. Thank you guys for joining us today. Um, before we get started with talking about um, your organizing and the Sam VSO Union, we wanted to ask like a quick warm-up icebreaker question that we ask all of our guests, which is, what was your first job? I When I went to community college, I think, which I'm 33, so I started that in 2009. I worked as the financial director in the student government, and I think that was my first job. I did some odd jobs with my parents logging work before that, but yeah. My first job, I think, was, like, I feel like my first real job was um, in undergrad. I had just got a part-time position at a small grocery store in um downtown tucson i'm from arizona and so there's this little small grocery store called johnny gibson's and i worked in the deli so i was a deli clerk and we stayed open until midnight so i would work like three to midnight on like the weekends um and that was my first job all right thank you both for that um super interesting just hearing where each person comes from and like how you can end up in the same place or similar places but you both have very different beginnings um so moving from that could you give us a brief history of the sam vso union how long has it been around why did you all decide to organize together and kind of all anything that entails yeah um it loosely started in May of 2021. It was at that point a single issue organizing campaign that was about there was a new policy being pursued to hire external security guards um, because it was the height of the pandemic and the CEO was basically feeling scared about unhoused people living around the museum. Um, we got word that this policy was going to be pursued and we didn't like that. And so we started at that point and admittedly like undercooked, just like fiery campaign <laughs> to try to get the museum to not do that. Um, but through that process, um, we learned a lot of skills that we then took into the union campaign. We did a public petition that got like 500 signatures. And at that point, because it was getting public attention, like all of the VSOs that were involved in it were getting singled out and targeted in the workplace and pressured. So we knew that we needed to form a more formal union to ever be able to like carry out campaigns of that type again. So that kind of led really organically to the union struggle. I joined the museum and the union after it had already been voted on. Um, so I'm kind of like, kind of like hopping on, <laughs> but the 
from what I know that it was you the union was voted on with like 90 percent of the security guards um being for the union was in May of 2022 and I joined in September that year so I joined like you know still early on in the union but um, I wasn't there for like the beginning vote and like all this background history that it was kind of like you come into this workplace and you're here to do a part-time job and you know get money but then you kind of like learn about the history and like things that went on before and it's really interesting like you know coming on coming into this job and kind of seeing like it's a cool job to have, but then also realizing the struggles, you know, that happen. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about both of you. Did you have prior experience with unions or being a member of a union? Or was this your first encounter with um, being a part of a union and in fact creating a union? It was my first uh, interaction with it. There was a union struggle at the museum in 2017, and I was working there, but I think I was part-time. I just wasn't super engaged, and I didn't really know. It was before we started seeing any union wave. I wasn't educated about like what even a union was. Um, so very much have learned all of this since, like, We've just like learned by doing basically the entire time. Yeah, this is also my first time being a part of a union. So um, you guys, you know, voted to create this union. Um, and right now you're bargaining for your first contract. Could you tell us a little bit more about what's been going on right now with the Sam VSO union? We've been in bargaining for, I think, like a year and a half at this point, And we thus far have not gotten any like substantial offers from the museum at the bargaining table. We are pursuing demands that we call washer, which stands for wage, seniority, health insurance, and retirement benefits. And we pulled the department. Those are the four most important things for folks to be able to survive in Seattle. So because we haven't gotten any substantial offers from the museum yet, we are like pursuing publicity, pursuing a public campaign to raise awareness so that the public knows that the struggle is going on and that the museum, despite having the funds to satisfy our demands, is refusing to commit to putting them towards their workers. Yeah, and I guess in addition to that, some of those efforts that we've been doing to promote ourselves, to publicize ourselves, um, is we've been doing informational pickets every first Thursday, every first Thursday of the month in Seattle. There are several museums that are free, and so like the Seattle Art Museum has free admission. So we thought those were good; would be good days to um, where you know people have the opportunity to visit the museum for free. And then also learn about our union at the museum. And um, we did a our first rally in December, this past December, um, where we had invited people from the community, from like the museum community and other unions to um, speak. And so that was really cool. Um, and kind of, I feel like 
it, I don't know, I, since Josh has been there longer, he kind of has said that he's, like, noticed, like, a shift maybe in, like, other people's um, support in the union, but they're definitely, like, interesting seeing, like, other people, other departments in the museum being more supportive, more publicly supportive of us, um, like, after continuing the, like, doing the rallies and then the informational pickets, which we we organize, I guess, and it's not just, like, I do want to say, like, we, like, prepare for them, so, like, we create signs, and we, you know, we create informational um, flyers, and we make sure they're printed out, and we have, like, buttons that we give to people, so it's, like, if we're not, you're not crossing a picket if you go into the museum, but, like, please wear the button to show support, you know, kind of thing. I'm really glad to hear that, um, more people are supportive, or publicly supportive at least, of the VSO union, especially within SAM. I know there's a lot of stigma and fear when it comes to showing your support, but ultimately there is a lot more power when workers all across different departments um, show up for each other and stick up for one another, because otherwise without each other uh, it's almost impossible to, to make any progress. Um, so kind of going along the lines of the ups and downs of organizing, uh, from what we understand, VSOs were not able to affiliate with an existing union because of a labor law preventing a union from representing both security and non-security workers. Could you tell us more about that and what it's been like organizing and running an independent union? Yes. Um, I don't remember the specific, like, numbers of the NLRA that apply to that. But yes, that law haunts us. It is a big, it was a big, big problem for us. Our initial plan was to affiliate with IUPAT. And somehow those, like this law is so obscure that the folks that we were going to affiliate with just hadn't caught that this was going to come up. Um, and the law specifically forbids a security and non-security unit from being recognized via an election. So when you see unionized security units in town, they've generally been voluntarily recognized. Um, and the museum was really, really anti-union at that point, in my opinion. And they were very much like they were sending out all emails that were really fiery. And so we just knew that it was a long road to try to pursue a voluntary recognition campaign. And we knew we had all of the votes at that moment. So we basically just felt like we have to go independent. That's the quickest route to establishing the union. Um, and then as far as like the effects of that decision that continue to now, there are pros and cons. I think the pros are strong. <laughs> um, the cons are pretty obvious. We don't have money and we don't have access to an experienced organizer. But I think like, at least for me, the way that we have worked around that is by leaning on the community. And I've leaned really heavily on the Bridges Center specifically during my two or so years at the UW, um, Rachel, who I know y'all interviewed before, is an organizing mentor of mine. I've asked endless questions to. 
So we had that part, the like mentorship part through the community. And then like the positives of being independent are like, each of us learns so many skills so quickly by necessity. We've learned to read legal language. We've learned to make flyers. We've learned like all of these organizing skills that some of these tasks would have been picked up by the large union. And instead we've been formed into like very skilled <laughs> for, a, for being a few years in, we have learned a lot of skills and then also we get a lot of control over our decision-making. So, yeah. So it's kind of like a trial by fire, learning on the job. Holly, do you have anything to add to that? I don't know if I have anything extra to add, but it was definitely like confusing when learning about it, I guess. Like, like I said, right, I joined after, like I, I started working at Sam after the union was already started. And then you kind of like, you know, okay, I know that there's a union, but then you like learn about the history. That's what I was saying earlier. It's like, you learn about the history of like, how the union tried to start with this other, like, more established group. But then it's like, well, why didn't they stay with that group? Oh, well, because the museum refused to recognize them. And then you're like, whoa, wait, why did the museum refuse to recognize them? Then you're kind of just like, th that's kind of my thought process. And I was just like, it feels, it feels unfair. And there's just like some... I don't know the right words, but it's like, it feels like grimy, kind of nasty. <laughs> then it's just like, where, like, you have these workers where some people have been working there for like over 20 years, maybe 15, 20 years. And like, to kind of like refuse to recognize the work that they do to make sure that the museum stays running like all these years and make sure that your your assets your art is like protected and that the public is enjoying their time at the museum it just feels really weird that it's like why wouldn't you want to support the people that are working on this side of the museum you know when you talk about that like that grimy element that reminds me there's an email from our hr around the time of this issue coming up where they're doing their like we're neutral on the union type of emailing but here are the pros and cons of like being in a union especially an independent union and they mention one of the cons being we think that it's possible that when you reach the bargaining stage there may be too few resources with an independent union so they very much knew what they were doing and, you know, like they're not wrong, <laughs> but like the people have power. And like, if you are organized and you continue to learn and change and grow, like we can do it without a large union. So, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Sam, the Seattle Art Museum, the employer, I feel like as an art museum, they're kind of considered like this public good because they provide art for the community. But at the same time, they're not recognizing unions, um, not providing workers with um, what they deserve. Have you, what has been your experience working with Sam in that context? And 
because, you know, it serves the public and provides them art. Have you had a lot of success with reaching out to like the, the customers of Sam? I feel like, yes, but it's pretty challenging to reach people. Like, you know, we hear from people at the pickets repeatedly. I didn't even know there was a union at the museum. Um, you know, certainly the museum has not made public communication about the union. So I think like that's why we've literally been just going out on the street <laughs> because it feels like the best way to make those connections directly. Pursuing press as well, but that's always challenging. And there's like a mix of press that are pro-union and a lot that are pro-business. So it's it can be hard. Josh, I remember last year you were working on something with Rachel in regards to researching like the board of Sam and finding who was sympathetic. Where did that go? And also what other sort of like research goes into um, supporting this campaign? It's definitely another area where you can see the cons of being a small union. <laughs> we certainly don't have the research team that large unions have. But we have gotten a crash course and we have done the best we can. I think like most recently, the research has been being used around like I've been doing I've been like getting to understand a larger picture of the museum's finances and like the ways that it has shifted over the years and like when benefits were removed versus like the continued like kind of always up of the museum's assets. Um, so I think like it's useful in those ways to create media for the campaign that are kind of like drawing a picture for the public of like what the museum is choosing to do with its resources. Like their, their investments tend to be in property and expansion and renovation rather than um, investing in the the staff and of course that's my opinion and my view of it but i think like there's a reason that we're organized and all of these people are saying together like we can't survive <laughs> in seattle like the thing we were actually saying in bargaining yesterday is like you know they could look at these buildings and they can say like okay that building is falling apart <laughs> we have to fix it or they can look at the floors above the museum's galleries and say we want to expand into those which is something that they recently said in their five-year plan and we <laughs> are basically the human version of that that is saying we can't afford to expand right now we need to invest in maintaining the like operations of the museum by like rewarding the staff well. So yeah, I don't know if I exactly answered your question, but yeah. Thank you. That was really, really insightful. Yeah, it always boggles my mind just hearing the different ways employers um, try to counteract anything that unions say in bargaining when everyone knows the truth and that they're just making excuses when they very well have the power and the uh, assets to provide for all of their workers. Um, you mentioned the difficulties of being a member of a small independent union. And on top of that, you're also working for SAM. So you're working for SAM. You're also grassroots organizers. 
advocating for things you deserve, but you were also students at UW. What was it like balancing all of those? You know, I'm sure it's a very busy schedule. Um, could you explain a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so it is, it's, it is a very busy schedule, just like to say it plain. The weeks are jam-packed, I feel. It always feels like there's not enough time to do things. But it's also, it's interesting because it's also like, even though like doing the union, doing union work and union efforts, I'm not ever like dreading or thinking like, oh, I have to do this kind of thing because it's, Obviously, it's something that I'm like, this is important to me. And this is something that, you know, like, I feel like I'm, I'm doing good kind of thing. Like, I'm helping, I'm helping a community that I'm a part of. And this is something that um, could, you know, hopefully is long lasting kind of thing. And then also shows other workplaces that unionization is possible and things like that, you know, so it's like, there's all these like, benefits I think that ha can happen long term and even though it is a busy week where I'm like I have as a student as a graduate student it's like okay you have this assignment due on Tuesday and then you're gonna have a general meeting with the union on Thursday but then you also have something due on Friday and then don't forget that you work until 10 p.m that day <laughs> because the because the museum I will sometimes work um, events that go till late at night. So it's like, there's a lot of balancing that needs to be done. And it is a challenge. I know it's not going to last forever because I'm going to graduate. So it's like, yeah, I'll have more time. Um, and it's important to me. So I feel like it's I'm willing to go through the struggle and you know, to, to organize. And that's what I, something that I, I've never, no one's ever told me this before, but I've like heard before that like people will say like, oh, people build unions because they're lazy or, and that they just want like free things or something like that. And it's like, if someone's like starting a union or working with the union, it's like, they're actually spending so much of their free time doing free labor you know, so it's completely opposite, and it's not true, like, we don't want things because we're lazy, we want things because we work really hard, and we care about the livelihood of everyone around us. I agree, totally same. <laughs> this is just, like, a question of curiosity, but um, you said you're in museum studies, what kind of program is that, and does that, like, relate to why you took a job at Sam? Yeah, so <laughs> that is really interesting, um, I think this like connection between me as a museum studies student who's interested in joining the museum profession and then also being a security guard, like being in a, a position that doesn't require a master's degree. There are plenty of other positions at the museum that do require a master's degree, which is kind of which is why I'm like here in school. Um, and I've had like throughout this year, school year, I've like, I know I've told Josh and other people that I'm like, you know, I wonder if I would have went to grad school. Not, I love my program. Let me just say that. But I wonder if I would have went to grad school if I knew I could like make a real living working as a, a gallery guard because I really do love it. Like, 
yes, there'll be hard weekends or something where it's really busy, but then it's like, then there's always the time where it's like slow. And then I just really love being in the galleries. I joined the museum studies program because I had really loved this museum space. The Seattle Art Museum is not the first museum that I worked as a gallery guard. So in my undergrad at the University of Arizona, um, I worked as a student, like a student worker at the art museum there as a gallery guard. And it was a very different job because it was a smaller museum. It was like a work study position. And like the security was just different because it was part of the university. Um, they had like full some full-time staff, but then the people that were in the galleries were usually students. And so that job is what made me realize that there could be a career in museums. I'd never considered that. A lot of people that I talk to when I tell them I'm in museum studies are like, what do you do? What are you going to do? Like, you know, like, what do you even do for museums? And I'm like, well, there's a lot of work that people do. Um, and one of them could be a security guard. And so I, when I had thought, started thinking about joining graduate programs and I was like, I should just do museum studies program because I think it was such a lovely time working as a gallery guard at the University of Arizona Museum of Art. So I come there, didn't they didn't have one in Tucson, so that's why I didn't stay there. But I come to UW for the museology program. It's two years and I'm like, OK, you know, I need a part time job. Um, my best friend, one of my best friends and my roommate at the time, Grace, she also worked at the Seattle Art Museum as a guard. And um, she's the one that was like, you know, they're hiring. So I kind of just applied because I was like, oh, I've already done this before. It'll be great. And so now I'm still there and I'm in the union effort. And I don't know this. I feel like <laughs> this this topic, there's a lot of things like going on in my mind about it because it all feels so connected and really interesting. And like, how did how did I get here kind of thing? So I don't know. It's I do really like seeing this perspective of museums as a guard. Sometimes I wonder, like, should people before they become executive directors, like work as a guard or something, <laughs> just so that they know, like, the, yeah. know yes. the skills and the expertise that like these guards get, you know, the like, what is what is the knowledge that you get for visitor experience when you're working as a guard versus someone who is like, this is what I think will look good. But it's like, but think about like what you actually see, like, where did the people go? Things like that. What are the problems? I haven't spent like 30 hours in the galleries every week. Like those people spend one or two, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you, if we want to make visitor experience better, right? Some museums, maybe that's not their top priority, but if we want to make certain things better in a museum, like visitor experience, or whether it's like a visit for families in the galleries or teenagers or school groups or elderly or something it's like well then you need to spend lots of time in the galleries watching how these people interact and thinking about okay what can we do to make it better um and I just maybe that's not something that people care about in and or that they just don't have time to because I know that there are a lot of people are very busy you know and I understand that people that work in education they have so much other stuff on their plate you know and so and it it's definitely worth naming like that all employees in nonprofits especially arts nonprofits 
experience this the same type of crunch and take a pay cut. And so it is absolutely, that is why those things don't happen and is why we definitely advocate for living wage for all of the people in our museum and all museums were definitely excited about the larger movement of museum organizing that is happening. Yeah, for sure. So to end all of that, my rambling, <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with what Josh said, you know, it's like we have all these, these things that we see and then things that get done or things that we would like to get done, but because of, oh, I don't know, I don't have the right words right now, but everyone deserves to get paid well, you know, and no pay cuts, people shouldn't have to be working on their days off to get things done and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing um, your thoughts on that. Um, it's really helpful for people who are not too familiar with um, the museum space and how museum works to to know about that. So going forward, um, as Sam VSO Union continues to negotiate with Sam, how can people support the union? Um, there are a couple of tangible ways. Um, we have a digital petition. Folks can go to tinyurl.com slash VSO Solidarity. Um, and that is a petition that will also sign you up for our email list and help you stay connected with different solidarity actions that we are doing. Um, specifically, we have a rally coming up in March. Yeah, it'll be the first March, the first Thursday in March. So it'll be March 7th. We're still figuring out. I think we're still thinking about the timing, but March. I would expect noon. Yeah. Or one. We'll see. Maybe yeah, that's why I was like, it'll definitely be <laughs> noon, noon to one is the start time. And we plan on picketing every first Thursday um, until we have a contract and yeah you know follow us on instagram that's always good at sam vso union we do accept donations because we're independent there's a gofundme that is linked on our website uh samvsounion.org so if you have spare money which i know so many labor supporters do um go and, <laughs> go and give us some of your your money all right, thank you for that. Bearing all of that in mind, what are some things you both are looking forward to in the future? Yeah, either related to your personal lives or professional lives or academic lives. Well, first, I guess with the union struggle, I'm looking forward to finally gaining a complete and fair contract, um, whenever that will be. And I'm also really looking forward to graduating. <laughs> <laughs> and um, having more time to do other fun things. Yeah, I was going to say earlier, like, I'm now two months graduated. It's really awesome in most ways. Um, it's really awesome for organizing. I have immediately been able to, like, upgrade all of the organizational tasks that I'm doing and not just be sprinting to get them finished in between homework and all of the other things. So that's been really wonderful. Um, I look forward to the contract as well. And I think in general, I'm really grateful to have like found this area for struggle. It 
kind of like what Julia was saying earlier, it is definitely, there's a lot of purpose and meaning involved in this work, and that gives a lot of peace of mind and focus to my life. So yeah, I look forward to continuing to engage in labor struggles and solidarity struggles uh, for probably the rest of my life. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, well, it's great to have this conversation with um, you all about CMVSO Union, what's been going on, the history of the union, and what you're looking forward to. Is there anything else you guys want to add about anything you've talked to, talked about so far or haven't talked about? I'm really grateful to the Bridges Center. Uh, really, really helpful to me as an undergrad. I was like, I'm a non-traditional student and I felt like kind of lost entering into UW and it was definitely so helpful to me to be able to like rely on the Bridges Center for some direction of like what classes to take that were, because I'm a psych major and it was really, um, there was good things, but it was largely really disappointing politically. It was not super engaged with like current struggle. And so I feel like the Bridges Center kind of helped me stay sane and with a direction while I was at UW. Yeah, I'll also just say, you know, thanks for inviting us on this podcast. Um, it's always easier, like, talking about things that you think out loud rather than keeping them in my head. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that you invited us. And yeah, I'm also grateful to all my my union peers and for you know supporting supporting me and me supporting them. yes shout out to our current and fired or uh otherwise quit organizers because they've they've made it possible yeah all right well thank you guys for talking to us Thank you for listening to this episode of Building Bridges. We hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation with Josh and Talia. If you're interested in staying up to date with the Harry Bridges Center, follow us on Instagram at uwharrybridges or email hbcls at uw.edu with any questions.